Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk and daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. with us. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, it's been mentioned. My name is Mark. We're from Brantford, Ontario. We've been here. Uh, we've been there for two years, like been mentioned. Um, I didn't get to bring my beautiful wife and her uh, and my kids, but I have an incredibly beautiful wife. How many people still believe in miracles? Still believe in miracles? Yeah, I do, because here's the thing. I have no business being married to my beautiful wife. And so I tell all the young guys, here's the thing, just have faith, believe in God, and he will be faithful, and you can marry up, and that's exactly what I've done. We have three incredible children. Uh, my oldest is, uh, he's just turned 12, when he started football for the very first time. Here's the thing, you can't judge me. There's a few things I'm going to say tonight, don't judge, because the Bible says judging is wrong, okay, and I don't want you to fall into sin. But here's the thing, he started playing football, and my favorite part about football is I can yell, hit him, and it's acceptable. <laughs> I'm allowed to yell stuff like, get him, and it's okay. My middle guy is in hockey, and he's just loving it, and, they, and he's just, uh, he's probably our sensitive kid. He's the one that likes to joke, and, and uh, we're just so thankful for God blessing us with him. My little girl, we haven't found out what she's into yet because we've tried her in hockey. She did snow angels on the ice. We tried her in soccer, and she pretended she was a ninja on the field, and we just run at random things. And so we're just praying that God helps her find her way. Um, but God is extremely faithful, and we are excited about what God is doing in our lives and in our church. I just want you to know that I truly believe you have incredible leaders at this church. Amen. We've known Chad and Melissa, Melissa for a long time. Uh, me and Melissa went to Bible college. When Chad says we did the, uh, the roundabout, well, here's the thing. I went to one year of Bible college, and then I dropped out. I did sales for eight years, and then I got back into ministry. And so it's amazing how God brings us around. And, uh, and so, yeah, I've taken the scenic route. But how many of you know if God's got a plan, he will make it happen. You better be paying attention. I'm here to tell you my testimony a little bit to just understand if you've got a child or you've got a family member that's walking far from God, I need you to know that God is faithful. His word doesn't return void. And if you give it to him, it will come around because God is faithful. And I'm living proof that God is faithful. And so I'm thankful for it. Today, if I had to give a theme to my message, it's a, talking about renovations. It is to renovate our hearts, to realize that God wants to do things in us so he can prepare us for what he has in store. I genuinely believe that God's got a purpose and plan for each and every one of us. And so sometimes he wants to do the renovations on our lives, and we have to be willing to go through the process. Today, we're going to be looking at Mark 4, starting in verse 13, where it's talking about the sower and the seed. And as Jesus tries to explain this to his disciples, he's allowing them to truly understand that he has a plan, but you have to be okay with the process. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit today. I want to just read this one verse to you because I believe it's so important. Romans 12, verse 1, it says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, 
in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do, know, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. How many of you know that the mind is a powerful thing? How many of you know that if we set our mind on the right things, that God can actually transform us and make him into the men and women of God he's called us to be? The truth is what this verse is trying to help us understand is we need to renew, renew our mind on a regular basis and make sure that it's focusing on God so he can do the work that he has for our lives. And so I'm excited about this message today. I'm excited about what God has placed on my heart. And I truly believe that God has a word for you. And so I'm praying that you're paying attention to hear what God has to say. Before we get into this, have you ever had to do renovations on a house? Anybody ever done renovations on a house? Anybody ever just thought the process was taking too long? Any women in the room said, my husband's taking too long. Anybody? I see that hand. I see that amen. Amen. Poor Jack. Buddy, I've been in your boat. My wife's still complaining about stuff. You see, the truth of the matter is there's always these things that you want to do, and the renovations can sometimes take longer than expected. Sometimes it's because you ran into a rabbit hole, you've opened up a wall, and you've realized there's an issue. Other times, you just underestimated the time that it would take or what it would take to make it happen. Me and my wife, when we first moved to Brantford, we decided we we're going to take this house and we're going to kind of make it our own. And the one thing that we wanted to do is we wanted to have an above-ground pool. It was important to us that the kids could have somewhere to go because we can't get away a lot on weekends. So this was going to be our little safe haven. We're going to go to the backyard and, and we're going to have an above-ground pool. And so we're at the store. And the guy is talking about what it would cost to install this above-ground pool. And I'm, I'm looking at all the options. And we're going, okay, we're going to do this. And, and the guy says, it's about three grand to install it. And I said, that's a good deal. My wife looked at me and said, you can do that. <laughs> Any men in the room ever made a decision? And the moment you said it, you went, what was I thinking? I'm in the store. And she's like, you could do that. And I felt, I felt like, you know what, she's right. I could do that. I've done things before. I could do this. And so I agreed to something that I had no business agreeing to. We decided we were going to do this. And so I decided we were going to dig the hole by hand because I couldn't get a tractor in the backyard. And so we're digging the hole and we're trying to get it ready. And I had to create a 12 by 24 inch hole to level out the ground. And as we're digging, we're digging about two feet down because of the grade in my property. And I'm realizing how hard this is. We decided that we were going to just load it into a trailer. And then I was going to offload it at the dump. And we're doing trip after trip after trip. We got halfway through it. And I'm ready to throw in the towel. I'm ready to quit. I don't want to do this. Have you ever as a guy made a really bad statement and you wish you could take it back before it came out of your mouth? I came home. Amen. We've all done it. I came home one day, and then my wife was out back, and she was trying to help, and so she was trying to dig a little bit. And so as she's digging, I came home, and, okay, remember I said, you can't judge me. I said to her, is that all you did today? I live to tell about it. I'm still here. So I said, is that all you did today? And I didn't mean it in a bad way. I just meant it as in, like, is that all you've done today? It's just it. It just it slipped, and so she looked at me, and she said, "Excuse me." 
I've been digging all afternoon. And you're, and so she's saying a few other words to me and informing me how upset she is. And she had a shovel full of dirt. And she threw it at me. Pray for my wife. We're working on her anger issues. She looks at me and goes, I cannot believe you said that. And threw the dirt at me and stormed into the house. Now, at that very moment, I knew that I had messed up. Like I was fully aware of my mistake. And I knew that that was wrong. But my neighbor from the next door leans over and goes, hey, you doing okay? I'm like, yeah. He goes, you want me to give you a hand? It looks like you're having a rough day. <laughs> he comes over and helps me dig. But the truth is, sometimes renovations take forever. And sometimes it just doesn't seem to go the way you thought it would. And you can get frustrated or you feel like, why is this taking so long? I just want to get to the other end of it. The truth is, sometimes that feels like that with God. Sometimes you sit there and go, God, why is the renovations that you're doing on my life just seem to be taking as long as they are? And why can't this just change? Why can't this be quicker? Why can't this happen the way I want it to do? Have you ever just wondered why God takes so long to do things? Have you ever just questioned his timing? But then on the other side of it, you realize why it took so long and that he had a purpose for the process? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. In this parable, Jesus, just before we read in verse 13, he's talking to this crowd of people. The Bible says that the crowd was so big that he ended up getting into the boat to preach because they were surrounding him. And as he preaches, he tells them a parable about a sower in the seed. And he explains it to them just what they would understand, what sowing and reaping seed would look like, and how if you put it on the wrong ground or if you don't do it properly, it's not going to work. But then later on that day, his disciples are sitting with him. And they have a couple questions for Jesus. They're wondering why he is wording things the way he is. And it says it this way in verse 13. Then Jesus said to him, do you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. How many of you know the word of God is powerful? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seeds along the path where the word is sown, but as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes it away, and the word and that was sown. Others, like seeds, are like on rock, rocky places. They hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they only last for a short time. When trouble comes, persecution comes, they be, the, the, because of the word, it's quickly fallen away. Still others, like seeds sown among the thorns, hear the word, but the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires of other things come and choke out the word, making them unfruitful. But there's this last one. The Bible says, others are like seeds that are sown in good soil. If you have your Bible, if you underline things, that's a part to underline. Good soil. Hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop 30, 60, and even 100 times what is sown. See, Jesus is talking to his disciples. And they're asking him, why are you always talking in parables? Why are you saying it this way? And Jesus goes on to explain it to them in a different way so they could truly understand what it is to let the word be re re revealed to them in their hearts. 
And so as we go through this today, I want you to realize that renovations and the process that happens is not always easy. Have you ever had a difficult time with God? Have you ever struggled with certain things when you're talking to God? Have you ever asked him questions like, where are you right now? I've been praying to you and I've been asking for you, but you're not there. Have you ever prayed and just felt like your prayers have never been answered? You're not sure why he hasn't come through yet. Why, God, have you not answered the way I thought you should? Have you ever questioned the way God has answered your prayers? And maybe you're here and you're saying, God, why is this taking so long? There's one thing that I've realized in my life is that when I'm going through the renovation process, when God is working on me, that there's a way that I do it to make sure that I stay steadfast, is I remind myself of God's faithfulness. I realize that God is faithful. And so these are the three key things that I go through my mind on a regular basis. I do this. I say that God exists and Jesus is the Son of God. When I'm waiting on God, I remind myself that God, you exist, and Jesus, you are the Son of God. I remind myself that he has answered prayers before, and he'll do it again. How many of you know that God has answered prayers in your life? You know it. You can see it. And how many of you know that he's also just answered prayers for you, but he's pray answered prayers for others? And so sometimes we have to remind ourselves. And so I remind myself that, that God, you exist, and Jesus, you are the Son of God, that he has answered prayers before, and he'll do it again. And the Bible tells me that he cares for me. I remind myself that, God, you care about me. You care about my situation, and you will see me through this. During the renovation process, we may find ourselves being overwhelmed and finding things to be struggling through. When God starts working on our hearts, trying to get us to a place where he's making us into the men and women of God that he's called us to be, sometimes it can feel difficult. It can be painful. Sometimes it can feel like we're suffering. But Deuteronomy 31, 6 says this, be strong and courageous, courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord, your God, goes with you. He will never leave you, nor will he forsake you. And so I've realized in my life that there has been times where I have to remind myself that God is with me. I want to break down what this part of the verse is in verse 13. I want to take row by row and just kind of see where God is speaking to us about the sower and the seed. Verse 13 says, then Jesus said to them, do you not understand this parable? Then how will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. I love this part because I realize that the word of God does not return void. I realize that the word of God does not return void. And in my life, he has spoken. And the things that he said, he has come through. There's been times where I've had to wait. There's been times that I've had to wait on the things of God. But I've realized that his word doesn't return void. If you talk to my mom about this, she would say that the word of God doesn't return void because in my early 20s, I went to Bible college for a year and then I walked away from God for eight years of my life. I struggled. I got myself into bad situations. And she really wondered what happened to her kid. But she kept praying and she kept claiming that word of God does not return void. That if the word was tucked in my heart, it would still be there. The Bible, we need to know that the Bible is the word of God and that will transform your life and it will allow you to truly see God. The Bible is important spiritual growth for your spiritual growth. Many times you come to church and they're like, well, you need to read your Bible and pray. I've had people say to me, that's what pastors say. Read your Bible, pray, and we need money. Those are the three things that we always, when we go to church, that's what they say. The truth is, 
the word of God will transform your life. You just need to allow it. And if you want God to move in your life, then it needs to be something that you're constantly being a part of. Make it a daily thing that you find yourself in the word of God so it can transform your life. And so all of this stuff that, that Jesus is talking about is reminding us that his word matters. Jesus starts by giving them examples of different types of people and what they do with their word that God has given them. If we look in verse 15, it says this. Some people are like seeds along the path where they hear the word is sown, and as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes it away and the word that was sown with them. There's these moments, and if you, you can be this type of person where you can come into these moments, you can hear the word of God and do nothing with it, and the moment that Satan comes, he'll take it away so you'll never remember what God is trying to tell you. And so if we're not careful, Jesus is saying you have to be aware that this it could happen if you don't take the word of God seriously. Some people hear it and they do nothing with it. Now, verse 16 says it this way. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. They're excited about what they've received. They're ex excited about what God is saying to them. But at, since the roots have not been not there, they last only a short time. When trouble comes, persecution comes, the, because of the word, they quickly fall away. You see, you can receive the word of God with joy. You can read your Bible on a regular basis and be excited about it. But if you do nothing with it, just because you've got joy about what it's saying doesn't mean it's going to transform your life. And if you're not careful, that word can get eaten up pretty quickly. And so we can see it as joy. We can be excited about it, but we need to do something about it. And then verse 18 says this way, Still others, like seeds, are sown among the thorns. They hear the word, but the worries of life and the difficulty, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for other things come and choke out the word, making it unfruitful. You see, we need to know that we can trust God. This is helping us understand that there will be things in our life that will try and pull us away. There will be difficulties that we may face that will cause us to wonder if God is really there. And we wonder if God will truly come through. And so we worry about these things. And so you may be wondering, can I trust God? Maybe you worry about life. Maybe the deceitfulness of wealth has grabbed you, grabbed a hold of you and pulled you away from God. And you've desired the wrong things. But then there's this good soil that Jesus speaks about in verse 20. It says, others like seed sown in good soil. How many of you want to be good soils that God can sow a seed in? Amen. Good soil. Hear the word. They accept it and produce a crop 30, 60, and even 100 times what is sown. Now, you may say to me, how is that possible? God's math and our math don't go together. Two plus two equals four in our world. But Jesus takes five loaves of fishes, five loaves of bread and, and two fish, and he multiplies it and feeds 15,000 people. He can do that. When the Bible says that when you sow, you'll see the reaping of it 30, 60, even 100 times what is sown. What you put in, God will bless. What you invest, God will bless. And so when we look at this, we need to understand that God has a purpose and plan for our lives. And God wants to produce something in you. God has a reason to produce something in you. Erica and my, me and my wife and I, we decided we were going to do a garden this summer. And we put it all together and we were on YouTube. How many YouTube how to do stuff? Anybody? 
Yeah, it's a simple solution to a problem. And so we're trying to figure out how to do this because we've done it once before and it did not go well. You see, we had a rabbit in our backyard that would eat the vegetables every time we planted it. So my son at the time, my oldest, was two years old, and we're in the backyard, and Erica sees the rabbit, and she's a little frustrated. You ever been mad at the, at stump? This, this thing has been eating our garden all summer, and we're not sure why, what we're going to do about it, and we're going to try and figure it out. And she sees the rabbit, and she says to me, kill it. <laughs> Never killed a thing in my life, maybe a bug, but I'm going to kill it? And my little boy looks up at me and goes, Daddy, you're not going to kill the rabbit, are you? With tears running down his face, I looked at my wife and went, really? That's perfect. So we sat there and fed this rabbit. This rabbit had been eating my garden, and now I'm feeding him more because, well, we got to make sure my son feels better. So all this rabbit, he loved us. He lived with us for a while. So this year, we're trying to make sure it's happening. And so my boys would go out every morning, and they would look at this garden that we planted and see what has happened. They would look for something to grow or something that's, that's happening in the garden. So every day they would go back and they'd go, Dad, there's nothing there. Then they'd come back again, Dad, there's nothing there. And then all of a sudden one day they're like, we see a little something. It's green. It's coming out of the garden. And then the next day it's more. And then the next day there's tomatoes. And then the next day there's peppers. And all of a sudden it starts to grow. And so we need to understand that the growing process can sometimes be painful because God has a plan. We need to be prepared for it. And so we're going to... Look at four different things that I believe God wants to say to us about the growing process. Because when God starts renovating things on our hearts, we have to be prepared for what he's doing. Seeds get put into the ground, and it takes time to produce things. How many of you know waiting can be the hardest thing? Waiting can be the hardest thing. You see, when I'm looking at these moments and I'm wondering, God, where are you? Picture yourself as the seed. God plants you into the ground, and now you're in the ground, and you're waiting for him to do something. Have you ever felt this way? Have you ever really felt like you're just kind of on your own? God, are you listening? Are you even there? I'm struggling right now. But when the seed is planted in good soil, sometimes the waiting is the best part. Sometimes the waiting is what God is trying to get us to do so that he can actually produce something in our lives. And so I remind myself in the waiting period that God exists and Jesus is the son of God, that he has answered prayers before and he'll do it again. And the Bible tells me he cares for me and he is working on my life and I need to trust him. So when I was, uh, when I was in school, my teachers didn't really understand what was going on. You see, I had a reading disability and they couldn't figure out why I had a reading disability. I was just struggling. I couldn't read. By the time I was in grade 10, I had a grade 4 reading level. Why they kept passing me through grades, I'll never understand. But I got to grade 10 and had a grade 4 reading level. I still remember being in a church service similar to this. I'm sitting in the second row, and this guy looks at me and says, you, the pastor, you, stand up. You with the beaded wooden necklace. I don't know why I was wearing that. <laughs> but I stood up, and he says, God has a call in your life. God has a purpose and plan for you. You're going to preach. You're going to be a pastor. And you're, he lists all these things off. We leave the church service. And, we, and as I'm leaving, people are going, that's so amazing that God would say that. We could see it in your life. You're totally going to be a pastor. And they're saying all these great things. We get in the car and we're driving home. And my dad's like, buddy, I believe it. You just got to be faithful. God will come through. And I'm like, and the whole time, I'm mad. 
Now, why would I be mad? God has a purpose and plan for my life, but I'm mad because I get home and I get to my room and I say, God, why would you embarrass me that way? You see, the truth is, if you're going to be a pastor, you're going to have to read. And the truth is, the word of God that we're reading will transform your life. And if you put the word of God in the right places, you will grow and you'll produce things. And I know this to be true, but I'm going, I can't read it. So how am I ever going to be a pastor? I remember being so mad that night, yelling at God. The next morning, I got up, and I'm on my way to school, and I am so angry. And as I'm walking to the school bus, I'm embarrassed. I'm thinking, I don't even know how this is going to happen. And I remember saying to God, if you want this to happen, then you better make it happen because there's no way I can do it. I remember getting to school, and this teacher who had been working with me, trying to fix my reading disability for years, they said, could he be dyslexic? They tried that. They, that didn't work. They tried other testing. They couldn't figure it out. Until one day, this teacher came up to me, which was just shortly after this moment happened. She looks at me and says, I got a question for you. Did you ever write with your left hand? I said, no. I've always been right-handed as far as I know. She goes, would you do me a favor? Could you go home? And ask your mom if you ever wrote with your left hand. I said, okay. I go home and I ask my mom. And she said, actually, yeah, when you were going into kindergarten, you were writing with your left hand. Um, but they said they just figured you messed it up. So they, start, they made you write with your right. Now, many older people would under remember that that's something they used to do. But they didn't really do that with my generation. But they did it to me. And what they found out, she, so when I came back and I told the teacher, I said, yeah, they actually, my mom actually said I, I did. Because I was reading an article, and they were saying that some kids are struggling with reading because they switched them from left to right. And so she said, I think I know how to fix this. She goes, the studies are showing that this, if we do these things, we'll actually train your brain to do it properly because you're seeing everything in reverse. And I thought to myself, you've got to be kidding me. I've gone my whole life, and all I had to do was know that I went from left to right, and we could fix this? You see, God doesn't let us go. And I remember as a boy thinking, this is never going to change. By the time I graduated high school in grade 13, which I didn't really do grade 13, I just did a leap year of grade 12. By the time I graduated, I had a grade 11 reading level. And you say, that's, that's, not, that's not where it needs to be. But God was faithful, amen? amen? And so when I look at these moments and I look at this seed, I say, God, you have a purpose and plan, and sometimes the waiting is part of the process. Would I have ever looked at this moment and said at 15 years old that I was thankful for what was going on in my life? No. Would I have ever said that I was okay with what was going on or the process that I had to go through? And every time my teacher said, I want you to read out loud in a group, I would run and hide. I'd go to the bathroom. I, I didn't want anybody to know. Would I have ever been okay with the process? I guarantee you every single time I'd have said no. But the truth is, it's because of the process God led me to where I am today. And so you need to know that the process God puts you on, even though you're planted in the seed and you're in the soil and you may be wondering where he's coming, the waiting is because he's producing something great in your life because he cares for you. The second thing is the seed taking shape. They plant the seed in the ground, but the seed needs to take shape. And anytime anything needs to take shape, something needs to break off. 
You see, the shell around the seed has to break so that it can germinate. And breaking doesn't always feel good. Breaking can be difficult. And there may be times in your life where you'll be saying, God, I know you're renovating. I know you've got a plan for me. I know you're doing something in my life. But this is just a little too painful. That day that I got prophesied over, I remember that was painful for me. Because I didn't feel like I was capable. I didn't feel like this was okay, but that was part of the process. In our lives, we will face difficult things. But how many of you know that God is faithful and he wants to see you through? I've realized in my own life that God cares more about me than I care about myself. But the truth is, I care about myself a lot. The truth is, I care more. I care so much about my family and I care so much about my church and I care so much about my province and I care so much about my country. But I've realized that God cares more about all of that than I do. And if I could just realize that I can trust God. And so as God is taking shape in your life and he's building character and he's growing, the growing pains may be difficult, but he's building character in your life. He's building trust. I have to be honest with you. Since that day, I know God can heal. Because God did it in my life. I know he can heal. And so when I pray, I believe that God can heal. Why? Because he built trust in me through my process. God wants to build trust through your process. He builds endurance. He builds faith. He builds a boldness. And he builds your spiritual gifts. And in the process, as difficult as it can be, God has a plan. And he's working it out in your life. You just have to be okay with him breaking the things off that may feel like it's what you want to hold on to. Because God is setting you up for a breakthrough. God has a purpose and plan. Now the growing. This part of growing is an incredible part because this is where we start to see things happening. This is where we start to see the fruits of our labor We start to see the things that can come together. And so now when we look at our garden at home, we have all kinds of vegetables. And it's amazing to kind of reap what you've sown. It's it's really kind of fun because now I don't have to go to the grocery store. Feeding three kids is expensive, really expensive. But the truth of the matter is we can now see what we've grown. And so there's easy to see what you've grown. But here's the thing about it. The moment that it starts to grow, you have to be prepared for dealing with the elements. You see wind, rain, hail. These things come about. Snow. We have to take care. All of these things will come and attack. But how many of you know that if you do the process properly, if you plant in good soil, the roots go down real deep. And when the winds and the rains and the difficulties of life come, you're so rooted in the presence of God, you're so rooted in the word of God that nothing will shake you. My prayer for my life often is that, God, you'd make my feet so firmly planted in your word that nothing will move me, that when difficult things happen, I will truly know you are faithful and I will face them head on knowing that you are with me because your word is rooted in my life. And at the end of all of this, the product is clear. What you produce, it can be incredible. But here's what I've realized about this. We often will get to the place where we've grown something incredible. We've seen the fruits of our labor, and that's where we stop. I've talked to a friend of mine. He's a 93-year-old former pastor. 
And he tells me all the time, and as I, was, I would sit with him and ask him questions about, how did you do it? How did you finish the race so well? He would tell me stories of things that God had done in his life and the faithfulness of God. He said, but here's the thing, Mark. I'm 93 years old, but I never stop growing. You see, you can never stop going through the process. You can never, once you get to the place where you've, you've done something and you've produced something in your life, do you know that God still wants to produce more? That God still has a plan? And at 93 years old, he's going, God's not done with me yet. When God's done with me, I'll know because I'll be in heaven with him. And then I got a better plan. You see, the truth of the matter is God is not done. And so here's what I've learned about growing things. I had a beautiful lawn last year. I was so impressed because I do not do lawns well. I've never had a good lawn. It's never worked out for me. But this, I was determined, was going to happen. I remember putting all the seed and watering and all this. And I get there this year, and my neighbors are going, what happened, man? You had a great lawn last year. Your lawn looks like, you know what? And I said, well, I don't know. It was great last year. I did everything right. And they go, well, did you seed it again? No. Did you water it again? No, I did that all last year. Like, it should have just went through. Like, that's just the way this works, right? And they're like, no, you got to do it every year. What a bust. <laughs> I walk into home hardware, and I'm like, really? I got to buy this bag of seed and do it again? He's like, well, if you want a really nice lawn, you got to just keep doing it until you get to the place where your lawn is really lush. And I'm like, wow, how much of that is so true for us? That we just need to continually go through the process. And every time we come up against something, we know that God is faithful. Steve Furtick says it this way. Our challenge as people of faith is to synchronize our faith with God's schedule. How many of you know that God's schedule is the perfect schedule? We just have to be okay with what he's doing. And so I truly believe this. I truly believe that if you plant yourself in good soil, God wants to produce something 30, 60, and even 100 times what you've sown. I believe that God has a purpose and plan for this church. I believe that God has a purpose and plan for this city and what he's doing. And if we're only able to plant ourselves and allow God to produce something in us, then we can go and share the gospel of Jesus Christ, of his faithfulness. I'm going to get the band to come back. I want to share a final story with you. And I share this story with you because I truly believe that this is what it looks like to have God transform your life. How many of you here want the transformation power of Jesus Christ? And on multiple levels, God will move. And at every age category, God can move. God can have a purpose and plan on your life at such a young age as you grow. It's incredible to watch some of these young souls worshiping God tonight. I need you to know something, that as you worship, God has a plan for you. Don't ever let it, don't ever let anybody tell you that God isn't faithful. This little girl here knows how to worship. Yeah, you do. I'm like, I was tearing up over here watching you. You don't ever let anybody tell you God's not faithful, because he will always come through. I have a, a guy that I met. We were... At a church service one Sunday, I had preached on, uh, in Innisfil before moving to Brantford. And as I preach, I end the service, and this guy comes down, and he looks rough. He looks rough. He's tattooed. He looks, he looks pretty angry, and he, he's got his hair all. He looks angry and mad, and he's young, and I'm thinking, this is how I'm going to die. 
And as he walks to the front, he says, hey, I need to ask you a couple questions. I said, what's that? He said, this God you speak of, do you think he's real? I said, well, I wouldn't be talking about him if I didn't think he was real. I didn't say that to him because he was angry looking. <laughs> but I said, yeah, absolutely. He said, I got to tell you a story, man. He said, I've been in jail. I'm like, in jail? He's 18 years old. He says, I have already done jail time. I just got out. And he says, I believe that God is real because here's what's happened to me. He said, I went to jail and my first day there, I'm scared. He's 15 years old. His dad was a drug dealer. He became a drug dealer. He sold laced drugs to his friend and the kid died. He finds himself in jail. He says, I'm in jail and I'm scared for my life. And they charged me as an adult because of the crime that I committed. And so he's in prison and he walks to his jail cell and he says he sees this big six foot four massive guy. And he says, you want to survive in here? And he said to me, he goes, honestly, everything in me went, he is going to tell me all the things that I need to do to, that he will protect me or, or what he's, I need to do so that... I, I don't die and he goes all these things are running through my mind and I'm scared of what's going to come out of his mouth next and he said here's how I've survived in jail he took his Bible and he said here read this he said you want to survive in here read this he said I'm in jail and I got nothing else to do so I start reading my Bible and all of a sudden there's things that are written in here that I never believed to be true and all of a sudden it starts to come true and he goes I remember one day just sitting on my knees saying God I need you if you're real show yourself how many of you know that God is faithful he says he's on his knees and in his little window a bird shows up and he said it was kind of weird because the bird was just there and he's like is that God or is that me or is that coincidence what is that the next day he gets on his knees and he says, God, if you're real, you need to show me. Same bird shows up. He goes on for three weeks. Every time he prayed that prayer, he looked. There was a bird in the window. He said, so I've got some questions for you, pastor. What is that? He said, God's trying to get your attention. And so he's been on a journey we decided that he was going to hang out with me and we're going to do life a little bit. So he's coming to the church and I'm mentoring him and, and he's there. And then all of a sudden, one day, he just disappears. I can't get a hold of him. I don't know where he is. And I'm watching the news. And on the news, they're looking for him. He's being accused of some things. That he's, that, and the things that they're saying he did, I'm like, I can't believe it. I thought he was doing so well. You see, he had gotten back to his old lifestyle. And as much as he tried to overcome it, he kept finding himself back there. So he calls me one day and I said, don't call me, man. If I, if I know where you are, if you tell me where you are, I will call the police. I have to do what's right. He said, I know, but I just need to ask you a question. I've been praying and seeking God. I've been reading the Bible and God says that he'll forgive me. Do you think he'll forgive me? I said, of course he will. But you have to want it. He's like, okay. He turns himself in. He gets arrested. He spends two more years in jail. And I go pick him up from jail. And I'm looking at him and he goes, man, I'm really trying. I'm going to do better this time. And he goes for a good six months and he finds himself back in jail. I get a phone call. And he's like, can you come see me? So I go see him. 
and we do the whole, like, it looks like in the movies where he put his hand up on the window and I put my hand up on the window and we had the, the phone and we chatted. And he's like, I don't know what to do. I can't overcome this. I'm struggling to overcome this. And I said to him, listen to me, man, you know what your problem is? You keep planting the seed in the wrong soil. You're planting it in the soil that's not growing anything. You keep doing it and you read the Bible and you read it with joy, but you don't do anything with it. But I'm telling you, if you plant that soil in good, if you plant that seed in good soil, if you start working on your life and allow God to transform it, it'll change. Well, he got out of jail and he's doing extremely well. God has totally taken his addictions away. God has totally transformed the way he sees life. And here's what's really amazing. I get a text message from him recently. And he's like, I just got an A on my first essay in Bible college. And he says, I can't believe that God is still working on me. That God still cares. I tell you that story to say this. It's time for us to let God renovate us. It's time to let God transform us. And it's okay to say, God, plant good good seed in my good soil so that I can be transformed by the power of God. And if you do, what could God do with our lives? And what could God do with our city? If you're here today and you're saying, I want God to transform me. I want God to renovate my heart. I want God to work on me. And I want him to grow me into the man and woman of God he's called me to be. And I don't care how old I am. I'm not done. And I'm not giving up until God is finished with me. And how many of you know as long as you're on this earth, God's not done with you? If you're here today and you're saying, I want to be renovated by God, I want him to transform my life, would you just stand to your feet and allow God just to work in your life? We're going to take the next few minutes and the band's going to play. As they do, would you just do me a favor? If you want God to truly transform your life, would you repeat this prayer after me? Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you are God. I know that you're faithful. You've answered prayers before and you'll do it again. And I know I can trust you. I give you my life. Renovate me. Plant seed in my good soil so that I can be the man and woman of God you've called me to be. Let's just take the next few minutes and just just tell God how you feel. Tell him what you're saying and allow him to just move in your life because it's in the presence of God that breakthrough happens. It's in these moments that as we praise God, breakthrough happens and God will transform you. presence and once God starts to transform your life you have the ability that Stratford can be changed by the power of God that lives can know who Jesus is and salvation can come to those that you work with those people you rub shoulders with because the renovation has to start here first the planting the seed in good soil starts here 
And as you grow, and as you're aware of the presence of God and the power that comes from the presence of God, you can truly see what God will do in this city. Do you believe that God has a purpose and plan for your city? Are you prepared to do what it takes to know what the presence of God looks like? When this song says, make me fully aware of your presence. Make me know what your presence is like. Do you know what you're asking for? You're asking for God to come through in a real way. And the moment he changes you and changes me, all of a sudden the people around us start to know Jesus. I just need you to know God's got something on your life, bro. I don't know anything about you. I'm just watching you worship. And God has a heart for you. He cares about you. And he's got a destiny for you. Run hard after it, whatever it looks like. And God would stop a service to get your attention. So whatever that means, don't let anything slow you down. Because if you give it to God, I promise you, he'll use you. He'll use you. How many of you know that God is faithful? The presence of God is not dead. We don't serve a dead God. I love when the Holy Spirit starts to transform our lives and makes us into who we're called to be. Because I truly believe if I'm changed, if you're changed, my city, our country, how many of you know our country needs Jesus? You know, somebody told me recently that they're sending missionaries from Africa and in different parts of Asia to Canada because we're so unchurched. We, for many years, have sent missionaries to their countries, and now they're sending them here to help us. You know what that tells me? We have a job to do. We have a mission to accomplish how many of you know it can't happen unless we fully understand the power and the presence of God? Amen. We're going to sing that again if we can. And as you sing it, would I be fully aware of your presence, God? Would you truly cry out and ask God to move in your life so he can change you so that Stratford knows Jesus? Amen. Let's just worship him. Father, I thank you for the hearts that you've touched. I thank you for the hearts you've healed. Thank you for the lives you've spoken into. Lord, I thank you for the seeds that have been planted tonight in good soil. And Father, even the seeds that the enemy has tried to steal, Father, you have taken and replanted tonight. And for many of us in the room, we just need to water them, protect them, surround ourselves with others who not only believe that God still plants good seeds, but they, He plants good seeds in us. And so, Father, I pray for people to come around each other, to, to water, to breathe, to blow, to fan into flames the gifts that are in people's lives. That, Lord, we begin to call out of one another 
Father, not only do we have people in our lives that hold us accountable, but Father, we have people in our lives that hold us accountable for our abilities. And so, Lord God, strengthen us as we go tonight. Let us remember tonight forever. Let us hold on to it, Father God. Let us enjoy the process as we walk through, as you renovate in our hearts and in our lives. And Father, I pray that every one of us will be like the 93-year-old former pastor who knows that as long as we are breathing, you're not done with us. And so, Father, give us that passion to live life to the fullest, to finish well. Father, I pray for Pastor Mark and Pastor Josh as they lead New Life Church. That, Father, you continue to bless them, that you continue to stir up everything in their surrounding community to understand how much they love them and continue to grow that church, Father, in salvations and people coming to know you as their Lord and Savior. Give them wisdom, give them strength, give them perseverance. Holy Spirit, give them boldness. Thank you for their friendship. We thank you for their word tonight. Father, we just say thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can you just thank Pastor Mark and Pastor Josh for me? I hope you enjoyed tonight. It was a great night. Hold on to the promises that God told you tonight. Hold on to the seeds that he planted and know that through the process, they will grow. You will see fruit. In October, we have Festival of Praise at the end of the month. Friday night service of Festival of Praise and I just forgot the date. Twenty-fifth, somebody, I knew somebody was going to help me out. Twenty-fifth of October, we're going to be here at Bethel. And then in November 17th, we will have another encounter service and Trisha Gibb is coming back to share with us. And so we're looking forward to having her. So God bless you. Have a great, great week. Had a hard time saying great there. It's really bad. And so have a really great week. God bless you. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you, and that you come back and check out next week's message as well.